0: welcome to the embassy row project podcast the embassy row project is a philanthropic initiative founded by international energy and infrastructure advisor james scott hi everybody thanks for being here Uh, my name is kat o'brien and i'm the chief partnerships officer for climate trade so we are the world's first climate marketplace Uh, we the company was founded in valencia spain we recently reincorporated as a u.s company Uh, but bring a lot of that European expertise as Europe has been ahead when it comes to to sustainability. So we have a marketplace of carbon offsets and what we're seeking to do is simplify the decarbonization process for companies, for governments, for associations, and even for individuals. Uh, We don't do only carbon offsets, but that's kind of the core at this point. We also have invested in carbon capture technology, piloted biodiversity credits earlier this year, and I'll get into some of those things, but, uh, we'll start off here. So as I said, we, we offer comprehensive climate solutions. Uh, carbon offsets are a starting point. It's not the be all end all, but it's a, a way to help companies and entities to move away from full reliance on, on fossil fuels. So we have a marketplace of carbon offsets uh, that we can sell the offsets either directly through the marketplace if someone is integrated via API or white label or of course they can work directly with our sales and supply team uh, which is what typically happens when you look at a, a harder to abate industry say energy, uh, mining where they're needing a lot of offsets uh, but for um, it's particularly strong for B2C. So we work with both B2B b and b 2 b to c or, or B2G if, if it's on the government side. And so in that case, uh, imagine that you traveled here from you know Miami, let's say, and you flew here. If the airline that you flew here on, or the agency uh, through which you booked your flight was working with us, then you would have an option to offset your your flight, the carbon footprint of your flight. And you'd actually be able to choose what type of project you want to invest in? So, I've had a few instances recently where I purchased something or I traveled somewhere and I was told either I needed to pay uh, an an offset uh, fee, but I didn't know what that was going towards, or I, I bought some Nike running shoes that arrived the other day and the box said we've we've offset the emissions associated with the shipment, but I have no idea what it went to. I don't know what that supported. I mean. Presumably something good, but I don't have any of the details around that. So that's something that we're trying to solve for. Uh, you know, people, a lot of people do care about the climate, about the environment, about sustainability, but they want to know what they're what they're giving back to if they if they choose to give back. So, is it reforestation? Is it uh, moving people away from high emissions cook stoves in Africa to something that? emits less gases, so both better for the environment and better for people's health. Um, So this is a little bit of a picture of how we integrate. We can integrate via white label, API, people can purchase directly, um, and you can see at the bottom right uh, an example of what it might look like to look at the project. So we always list which of the UN sustainable development goals a project is associated with. So as an individual or a company or a government, you may have certain values that are more important to you. So maybe you care most about zero hunger or gender equity. So you have those options. Uh, As I said, we were founded in Spain. So a lot of our key clients at this point uh, remain in in Europe and, and particularly in Spain. Telefonica, Banco Santander, Iberia Airlines, Cavify, Melia Hotels, Lavazzo Coffee, et cetera. Um, so we're working, uh, we have projects in 30 plus countries, 80 plus is the number I have listed here, but we're, we really have 100 plus projects at this point. Uh, and then integrations is when it's integrating via the API such that their consumers or their customers can offset their footprint. Uh, something else, that uh, I'm not sure how familiar different people are with carbon offsets, but uh, there has been criticism, understandably so at times, for greenwashing or double counting. So one of the reasons that we're using blockchain technology is for transparency and traceability. So we use the blockchain when we're issuing the certificates to tell someone you know, that this credit has been canceled. Uh, that way it's fully traceable and transparent. It's not something that can disappear if... I mean, probably many of you have been following news recently about some shady uh, books uh, in different uh, businesses. So this is something where it's fully traceable uh, and people can see exactly what's been canceled. Uh, We've also been innovating in a lot of different areas, as I said, not just doing carbon offsets. We created a digital MRV. And earlier this year, we piloted the first methodology around biodiversity credits. So CO two matters, but it's not the only thing that matters. Obviously, uh, you know, protecting the diversity of species, both plant and animal, is is important. And so, but there isn't a standardized methodology around this. There's been a lot of talk around it, including at COP twenty seven these weeks in Egypt. So we did that in Colombia in the rainforest there. Uh, I'm sorry, the cloud forest there, the bosque de Niebla uh, in conjunction with an entity called Terrazos. And in that case, uh, every 10 square meters that's protected is equivalent to one biodiversity credit. So that got written up in the World Economic Forum earlier this fall. And so that was a, you know, we're hoping to see a lot more innovation and, and maybe some standardization around that in the next couple of years. Um, we offer a broad variety of climate solutions, so different clients have different needs. If we're working with you know, a small company or a company that's really top priority is sustainability, they may be willing to pay a higher price per, per carbon, ton of carbon offset. Uh, if you're talking about a mining company... The, the sheer volume of emissions probably make it impossible for them to be in, engaging with some of the projects that might be a hundred plus dollars per ton. Uh, as I mentioned we measure against the UN sustainable development goals so you know it's possible to choose the projects based on that um, partnerships for goals, zero hunger, etc, quality education. And then we, we have also been investing to acquire different solutions or acquire equity in solutions such that we can continue enhancing our product and just making it easier to help more people. I talked a little bit about blockchain, but um, we're working with Algorand. For those of you familiar with blockchain, um, and I was just at the Blockchain Association Policy Summit the last two days. So we use Algorand because it's the greenest blockchain Um, here we have a couple of examples um, in the energy sector. So this is specifically looking at ITEC and uh, this is a a sample is a wind farm in Gujarat in India and so India's got quite a bit of solar resources given the the uh, geographic placement of it and so Um, This is a project, uh, this one's around wind, but solar and wind are two opportunities that are pretty strong there. GALP is another, so that's a a large gas and oil, um, and so they offset the equivalent of 670,000 kilometers. um, For those of you who use miles, uh, I think that's something around 450,000 miles traveled by car through a voluntary CO2 offsetting initiative. So in their loyalty program, like if you are filling up your car with gas um, at a GALP station, you would have an option to offset um, the CO2 footprint associated with the gas you're purchasing. So, and that's something uh, they can do that uh, with each thousand kilometers traveled. And then uh, this, we have a free white paper that's available for any of you that might be interested. You can scan the QR code or if, if that doesn't work for you, can, uh, you can reach out to me and I can get that to you. So this is a specific to construction and real estate for uh, those of you who may be particularly interested in that space. We're um, enabling calculation, reduction, offsetting of the carbon footprint of buildings. So, we work across all sectors, but I would say that there are several sectors that are particularly, there's particularly strong interest. So one of those is construction and real estate. Uh, part of that is related to industry requirements. Again, this varies greatly from region to region, country to country, city, state, et cetera. But uh, there are some requirements in certain regions around uh, offsetting of emissions associated with construction. So that's one of the strong uh, interest areas. Financial services is another one. Uh, we work with Banco Santander. So Santander uh, customers, they can actually offset the footprint uh, associated with their purchases and transactions. And that's, so that's something that would pop up for them either in the app or on the website of Santander. And if they wanted to offset their carbon footprint, they can actually choose which projects they would like to contribute to. And then the other one that I would say is among the strongest is tourism and travel. Uh, and I think that one's pretty straightforward because if you're traveling, you know that there's some uh, some impact on the environment. It's a relatively easy, easy to measure, to pinpoint uh, exactly how much. And also, generally speaking, if you're traveling, you've got some level of disposable income. So. Uh, that's another area that we see strong interest, particularly on the consumer side. So um, this is kind of an overview of our services. Um, We are working, as I said, with corporations around the world. We're starting to talk increasingly with governments. Uh, This can be both on the supply side and the demand side. So. In some countries, uh, there's a a wealth of supply of projects. I think some of the the folks who have been speaking before me were talking about different green energy projects in their countries, and so some of those projects could be eligible for carbon offsets, potentially. Uh, There's a certification process involved with that. So in some cases, a government seeks our assistance with how can they get those projects certified for carbon credits. Where would we sell these? Uh, couldn't you help us with selling them? Can we set up a registry? So there are a few top registries uh, that are known for certification. Vera, Gold Standard, VCS are three of the best known that have a lot of the projects, but in some cases there could also be a national registry of projects. So that's the case in Colombia, for instance. Um, and then lastly, uh, a government can also be interested in potentially uh, purchasing carbon offsets. So maybe a certain region, city, country just doesn't have the capability to generate the carbon offsets. And so they, they want to purchase some to reduce their carbon footprint. Um, and then, I'm not sure if I, this is just a, a, a snapshot of kind of our leadership team. So our three founders at the top, we have very diverse backgrounds. Uh, one comes from the banking. Sector has, had worked extensively with blockchain previously. Um, that's Francisco Benedito. Ana Karen Zapata had more of an operations and marketing background. Um, she's really uh, expert at, at kind of just driving business forward and operational uh, strategy. And then Jose Lindo had worked extensively with the United Nations and in sustainability. So those are our three founders. Um, and uh, yeah, you can see. And you know, the rest of the team there. And um, lastly, I don't have a picture of it here, but we, we also invested in a technology uh, related to carbon capture. So it absorbs, it, it's filled with microalgae and it absorbs as much CO2 as the equivalent of 368 trees per year. So, and then once it, it sucks up the, the CO2 that can actually be used for biofuel, so. Um, that's something that we've seen to be popular in particular with with real estate companies, construction companies, because you know, imagine that you're in, well, I just flew through Cairo, so imagine you're in Cairo. It's a huge city. There may not be within the region, in, in the greater Cairo area, you may not have the space to do, I don't know, offshore wind projects or something, or imagine you're in New York City and you have a... 80-story skyscraper. Solar energy is not going to be able to power that 80-story skyscraper. And so they need some other um, technologies. And so that's a solution that we're seeing a lot of interest in as well. And uh, that's it. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have.
1: Um, I applaud your efforts. This is awesome. Um, uh, you are, pro- or are you aware Uh, that, uh, I can't remember the number, it's a huge number, like over 90% of carbon credits are not worth the paper they're written on. Um, And then of course you have these certifying agencies. Um, Those two are opposite things. And I applaud the idea that there might be an oversight, I I don't know, through a government or something that says the certification uh, groups, you must go through them. Mm -hmm. You may not sell, uh, or we're not going to buy. That's a better right. way to say it. Any carbon credit who hasn't gone through gold standard or whatever. We're working with gold standard right, right now. Um, those are tough to They're get slow through. They're tough. too. They're slow, yeah. tough. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, and so you know when they've gone through them. All right. How do you propose that we force that issue? Because we're going to have to ultimately, the guy riding his bicycle every year to work doesn't, qualify for carbon credit. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are we going to force that issue? How are we going to do it? Is it strictly a marketplace issue?
0: Well, there currently isn't enough uh, supply to meet the de- growing demand. And with, as you mentioned, the, the process can be quite rigorous to get these uh, certifications. Uh, rigorous and time-consuming. Con- time uh, in some cases, it can take two years to get something certified, uh, particularly if it's in a new area, new type of technology. So there's a lot of discussions happening around that. There have been discussions happening at COP uh, and, and earlier in September, we were part of the AITA uh, North American Summit in New York. So there are definitely discussions about potentially revamping how certifications are done not to say that there doesn't need to be a rigorous process there absolutely does but is there a way to do it more quickly is there something that can be done uh something else that um i this is me thinking potentially we don't know this is not a done deal but i think that we may see a rating of carbon credits so Mm -hmm. okay the bare minimum is for you know this widespread acceptance that you have a VERA or gold standard or VCS, but within that, uh, there still could be a rating, say, okay, this is an A plus, A, A minus, B plus plus, or some Mm -hmm. other, you know, could be numbers. Um, and, And so that's something where, People may say, "Okay, well, I don't need the most top yep. one. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're starting somewhere, but we're not going to the top." Someone else may say, "Well, we we want to. You know, there there are some carbon capture, carbon sequestration uh, projects and developments happening now that are super interesting. But right now, some of them you're talking about 500 to a thousand dollars per ton, <laughs> yeah. and that's just not economically feasible for." The most part now, just much like solar elect, energy, electric cars. I'm sh- sure that the price of that is going to come down dr- dramatically in the next few years. Nevertheless, at the current price, it's not really an option for m- most companies. So, it, but the the investment in the the investigation is really important so that we can get to the next stage. You know, at some point, solar energy, wind energy was super expensive. But that paved the way for now, us being able to get a lot of our energy via green energy.
1: So I have a a follow-up question, and that is this. Um, You're in, uh, maybe just tangentially, but you're certainly in this, this marketplace, all right? Maybe you're not offering carbon credits, maybe you're I didn't really understand that. But have you ever seen anyone come to someone offering carbon credits and say, okay, let's see who you're certified by, you know, or is it the A plus, B plus? Have you ever, ever even heard of anybody coming to someone, uh, a buyer coming to someone who has them to sell, who's going to be that discriminating, or do they well, not we've, care? Yeah,
0: so yes, we, are, we, we source the access to sell the carbon offsets. So we have a, our supply team has strong relationships with project developers around the, the world. Uh, we've actually had, in some cases, uh, business leaders do due, due diligence to the extent of actually going to see the project. So, um, of course, that's not happening in every case, and, and certainly for smaller amounts. I, I mean, I, I absolutely would not expect that if it, you know if you were offsetting the shipment of that pair of Nike shoes. I don't expect you to go go visit for that, you know, two euro, two dollar. Um, but if you're a large company like Cabify, that's a very it's like Lyft or Uber, but it exists in Europe and Latin America. Their CEO has actually gone to visit the project that they are choosing to use for offsets.
2: Hi, thank you for the presentation. Um, I have one um, rather um, finger pointing question to you. um, Whether carbon offsets are the real solution, Uh, because earlier one colleague um, uh, sitting in front of us um, questioned the oil pipeline, whether that's good, and today we are in the decarbonizing conference and whether that's the right question, right? That's the right presentation to be made here. And obviously that's the temporary solution because with the energy crisis, we are just meeting the rising energy demand, right? So carbon offsets, so imagine, so company A in the U.S. Uh, buys offsets from a company that is reforesting uh, plantations in India, right? So it's one for one. So they reduce one ton of carbon dioxide emission. Here, somebody in the U.S. buys that offset corresponding to one ton of carbon dioxide emission. Net, the atmosphere is not seeing any reduction in carbon dioxide emission, right? So we are where we are. Mm-hmm. So it is not the real solution that leads to you know, incremental uh, reduction of carbon dioxide emission, right? So it's sort of like uh, being happy that, oh, you're doing something, you're buying offsets, but actually, you are not contributing to reduction in net reduction in carbon dioxide emissions, right? So I always try to argue that carbon offsets are not the real solution. So maybe what would you do better is still still making carbon offset a very viable market, right? Right. So something I always think about is maybe it should be a two-to-one solution. For example, Mm -hmm. the company in the U.S. should be buying two carbon offsets two tons of carbon dioxide emission reduction equivalent offsets um, and paying maybe for four tons of carbon dioxide emission reduction in india right maybe that's then you can retire those two additional carbon offset equivalent emission right so so the, so the atmosphere will see a net reduction of two tons of carbon dioxide emissions so if you do one for one it will never be a solution like what do you think
0: so, I mean, I think you're, you're making good points. Uh, it's not the be all end all solution. It's a part of the solution. So it's it, it to do a net zero, as you alluded to a one for one, that's not reducing, that's helping it to not get worse. So again, it's not the only solution, but it, it it's a portion. So if you don't do that, and then it's just continuing to get worse. Now, of course we need to do a lot more. Uh, We need to be sequestering carbon and carbon capture, um, developing sustainable fuel options, uh, pivoting away from, so it's one portion. And then in some, and also in the short to medium term, I think it's going to, the the need and the demand for carbon offsets is going to grow. I think in the long term, it will be more other technologies that uh, come into development that right now are not able to supply the energy needed. But in 2040, maybe we, we get a significant percentage of energy from these technologies that don't even exist yet or that are just being tested. And then also I would say that there's areas where um, you may not have a choice. Like, okay, uh, I can choose to If I have my own house, I can choose to get, maybe I could put a solar roof in, depending where I live, right, that that could be useful. If I live on a first floor apartment in New York City, as I did for many years, I I can't do that. I I don't own the apartment, I don't have access to solar energy, so me as an individual consumer, I just don't have control over that. Now, does the energy company have options to invest in greener technology? Sure, so from a long-term standpoint. Or, or there's instances where, I mean, you can make choice, individual choices, but at some points there's still CO2 that's being generated and where I am not able to eliminate using that or those emissions, at least I'm choosing to do something positive. So it's not the solution, but it's helping things to not get worse. Great, any other questions? Oh yeah, one second.
1: Thanks. Are you seeing the need for more um, third-party verification? I, I think the, the thing that's really interesting about your product is is that you have the blockchain, so you're retiring things. So that, that part of the, um, the whole story is auditable. But then the project itself, is there need for um, lead or living building challenge kind of verification of these projects to make sure that the thing that you're building in fact is a good thing and is taking a certain amount of carbon off the market?
0: Potentially and I I think we're seeing all sorts of innovation around you know I've been at a couple of climate conferences I mean I just came from COP27 around uh, measurement even and there's companies that are, so if you look at reforestation, they're using drones to measure because even if you plant trees, you, you reforest, which you know, is good for the environment, you still have to track in the follow-up, what if there's a fire, a natural disaster that, so they're using uh, drones and, and other sorts of um, measurement to, to ensure that those trees that they're counting on for, for carbon offsets are still there three years from now, five years from now, seven years from now. So I think that's going to be you know, one area of, of technology that we see or if you look at you know the Amazon and uh, like protection of I, th- I think we'll see that's what we piloted biodiversity credits earlier this year because um, carbon is just one aspect, uh, Methane's another that I think is Getting more attention, and it's actually really <laughs> terrible. Uh, I grew up in Iowa, where you have massive amounts of methane coming from, like the, co- the cow, uh, the, the farms that have thousands of cows. Or, um, and I saw some interesting technology about using, um, absorbing that, and turning it into fuel. So. Methane is another one. Biodiversity, protecting the species, uh, the diversity of the species. So I think there's a lot more that needs to happen. There's discussions happening uh, about protecting all these different aspects of of the climate. Find out more about the Embassy Row Project and our global network of institutes, NGOs, and think tanks by visiting embassyrowproject.org.